As most of you are aware, we have been steadily working our way through the epistle of James on Sunday mornings. And this morning, we come to James chapter 4 at verse 7, and you'll find it on page 1884, 1884 of the Church Bible. For those of you joining us our live stream broadcast, both here in the United States and overseas, if you are not in the habit of joining us for worship on a Sunday morning, let me encourage you that when we pause here in the sanctuary for prayer, you do likewise at home. When we participate in worship, you do the same. And it would be helpful for you to have a Bible and have it open as we look very seriously and begin to immerse ourselves in God's Word, asking, Father, may the pages of your Word come to life for us this morning. Speak into my life. And so that's why we study God's Word on a Sunday morning. And so, James chapter 4, verse 7. James writes these words, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. Last week, I received four notes from four students, and the students are studying at St. Joseph's uh, Catholic School. And the first uh, note uh, was addressed to a great priest, and it said, Dear Richard Gibbons, or Dear Dr. Richard Gibbons, I hope you're doing great right now. And I am, so thank you for that. Thank you for giving me so much information about God when you priest. You are such a great priest for all ages and preaching this stuff in a fun way. I also love your accent and it makes me laugh all the time. So a pretty good, pretty good note. And that was McIntyre Ward. And the other one was, Dear Dr. Richard Gibbons, thank you so much for preaching. I know how much time that you put into this church. Well, actually, I don't, but I guess it's a lot. And I think your jokes are normally pretty good. So, <laughs> normally pretty good is not bad. And the four students were Weston and McIntyre Ward, known as Mac, Wilson Suggs, and Warren Bach. And I was deeply touched by the prayers and uh, encouragement that I received. And it's always fun when children write to you, especially you get glimpses into how they see you living out your faith. And over the last couple of weeks, as we have been steadily working through James, James has touched on a number of issues relating to living out your faith. And often on Sunday mornings, we will focus on the importance of 
worship, the priority of prayer, seeking to live out your faith in a credible, authentic manner. But we rarely touch on what is often called spiritual warfare. But James does exactly that this morning as he comes to this second half of chapter 4. And he does it in what is typical of James. He is hard-hitting, he is practical, and he is always challenging. And so he begins, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, I would have to tell you that this is a verse I can get pretty excited about, especially the part that says, and he will flee from you. Because what I discover is this, that whenever God gets my attention, and it's often on the days leading up to a Sunday morning, because as I study the Scriptures, I've got to apply them to myself first before I ever share them with you. And whenever he taps me on the shoulder and he says, Richard, there is an area in your life that needs to change. And sometimes that's a behavior pattern. Sometimes it's a thought process. Sometimes it's habit. Sometimes it's relational with my colleagues or folks in my neighborhood or with Ruth and Michael and family members. And whenever he gets my attention and I realize that that area in my life needs to change and change now, whenever I take that seriously, usually the days immediately following... I start to get extra busy, or somehow I'll be distracted, or something unexpected will come up, and before I know it, I've forgotten all about the issues that God has pinpointed in my life. And so when I see a passage like this, resist the devil and he will flee from you, I say, Father, thank you, because I need all the help I can get when it comes to wrestling with temptation and sin and really going after it. And that's exactly where we're going this morning. But notice what James is saying here. When he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, it is conditional. Conditional on what? Notice how it begins. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And it's the submission part that I often forget. Submission is not a word we hear of much these days. We hear of things like assert yourself, stand up for yourself, promote yourself. But here is James saying the opposite. He's saying, submit yourself. And the word submit in the original Greek and the word obedience come from the same original root meaning. In other words, they're almost identical. Not quite, but almost identical. And submission, obedience, ugh, these are not words that we use much in a 21st century but they're right there in Scripture. And in fact, in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, the calling of the first disciples, one of the first lessons the disciples learn is when Jesus says to them, a large crowd had gathered, he asked Peter if he can borrow his boat, he pushes out a little from the shore, and he begins to teach the crowd that have gathered. 
probably several hundred. It simply says a large crowd. And after he's finished speaking, he says to Peter, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And I imagine that caused Peter some problems. And this is how Peter responds. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. But notice how it begins. Master, a term of endearment, affection, respect. He is a well-known teacher, a rabbi. Master, we've worked hard all night long. And I imagine Peter in the back of his mind saying, wait a minute, Jesus you're the carpenter. If I wanted to hang a door in my house or a new table and bench set, I would absolutely come to you. But I'm the fisherman. The deep is not where you get the fish at this time of day. They're lying in the shallows enjoying the heat of the sun. That's why we spent all night fishing. They're not there. Master, we've worked hard all night. And then things change. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. From general submission, master, to very specific, because you say so. And whenever we come to Scriptures and we read a passage that says, submit yourselves then to God, it means this. It means taking seriously the Word of God. It means being obedient to His call. It means submitting to His standards and values and purposes and plans for our lives. And I think most of us are aware that the Olympic athlete, the champion golfer, the accomplished engineer, the successful writer, disciplines themselves to their craft. They submit and obey to growing and maturing and developing in their own area of expertise long before they're ever successful. Submission and obedience matter. Last Sunday afternoon, I caught a couple of minutes of an old movie, and one that is one of my favorites, and it's called Chariots of Fire. And it focuses on the Olympic athlete, Eric Little. And Little, as most of you know, ran in either, and I should have checked this, it was either the 24 or 26 Olympic Games in Paris, and he won. And the reason it was controversial was this, he refused to run on a Sunday. And he was being obedient and faithful to the call of God. And in the movie, when someone asks him about his faith and how it impacts his power as an athlete, this is what he says. He says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. He was doing what he was made for. When we say, because you say so, we are doing what we were made for. Obedience, submission to the purposes and standards of God matter, regardless of what society around us, regardless of what the culture says. We will hold on to Christian values and standards. Last Christmas, around... When was it? About the middle of December, Michael and I decided that we would enjoy a night at the cinema. 
And so we checked various websites to see which movies were on. And there was one about Santa. And we thought, well, this could be fun. It looked like Santa and Die Hard combined. And we thought, well, we'll give it a try. And we turned up early. Thank you, choir. We turned up early and thought, this will be fun. And we sat through all of the adverts and probably 16 trailers. It wasn't, but it felt like 16 trailers. And the movie started and we thought, great. There wasn't too many folks in the cinema. We had it almost to ourselves. And after 25 minutes, we had to get up and leave. And we had to leave because the language and the morals were awful. Just awful. Now, we should have probably have done a little more homework before we went, but we went in the hope that Santa would be pretty safe. And it wasn't. It was awful. And here was the question uppermost in our minds. Have I heard bad language before? Yes. Have I seen poor morals before? Absolutely. But I do not need them running around in my mind. I don't need them infecting my heart. I don't need them impacting my soul. And I will not live with it. I cannot live with it. Because I'm called to live a holy and pure life. And frankly, I was annoyed. My Scottish blood was up. I paid $27 for two tickets and had to leave. But the point is a serious one, isn't it? When there are moral and spiritual standards laid out in Scripture, we simply say, that's our standard. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. And so I need to ask myself, and allow me to ask you as well, between now and next Sunday morning, when we gather again for worship, what are you feeding your soul? What movies are you watching? What programs are you streaming? What podcasts are you listening to? Which websites are you following? What are you watching on Instagram and TikTok? WhatsApp? Who are you hanging around with? Do these things lift your faith up? Do they encourage you? Do they strengthen and equip you? Or are they damaging you? causing you to be cynical and angry and critical of everyone and everything. What values and standards do you set? I read this last week and thought it was worth sharing this morning. People fall in private long before they fall in public. The tree falls with a great crash, but the secret decay which accounts for it is often not discovered until it is down on the ground. What are you feeding your soul? James is clear. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, please notice or remember what James says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This season of Lent is a time when Christians all over the world think of all that Christ accomplished for us at Calvary and is often associated with the 40 days of Jesus in the desert. 
And at the end of those 40 days, that period of intense temptation, we read these words in Luke chapter 4. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Please understand this. Satan will never give up tempting you, drawing you closer to himself. It is often subtle and slow and silent, but he will with all of his might seek to ruin your relationship with Christ, and he will do it intentionally. But please understand the promise of James. It is straightforward, and it's clear. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Please grasp that. Please understand that when it comes to sin and temptation in our lives and the wiles of the devil, we are defensive, but not defeatists. In other words, it's not inevitable that he will win. It's inevitable that Christ will win. He's already won at Calvary. The devil just doesn't know it yet. Please understand, we're not defeatists, but we are defensive. And there is incredible joy and delight and excitement of moving to new heights in your relationship with Christ. Progress is made, victory is achieved, but it's only achieved on the basis of God's Word. Submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hold on to that thought. Victory is not only possible, it's inevitable when you stand firm. And then verse 8, as we begin to make our descent this morning, and he writes this, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Now, you may be saying, okay, Richard, I'm not quite sure what James means here, because am I not near to God when I have a relationship with him? Didn't I draw near to him the day he reached out and touched me heart and mind and soul and drew me into a relationship with him? Don't I already have all of that, not to mention the indwelling, enabling power of God the Holy Spirit? So when James says, come near to God, what is he talking about here? What does he mean? Spell it out for me. Well, James means this, and allow me to use the illustration of marriage. I often find myself standing right there in front of the communion table conducting a wedding ceremony. And those ceremonies are always memorable for everyone who's present. When a couple look at each other and take those vows, holding their hands, it's a sacred moment. It's a moment that the entire family remembers. It's a moment to rejoice in and delight in and look back on with affection and fondness. And we should. But we also know this. Marriage needs to be nurtured and nourished, and worked at, or it becomes cold and distant. And when James writes, come near to God, and he will come near to you, that's what he's talking about. What he means is this, your relationship with Christ should never be taken for granted. 
but you've got to work at it and nourish it. And He is always more ready to welcome us in prayer than we are to pray. And our relationship with Him begins in prayer. Come near to Him prayerfully, thoughtfully, reflectively, with a sense of worship and gratitude. And you may be sitting there saying, Richard, hold on a second. Richard, I would never say this publicly, but sometimes when you talk about prayer, you simply frustrate me. And I want to stand up and say, Richard, I have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed over a specific issue in my life, and there is no answer. Heaven is silent. God is saying nothing. How on earth should I continue to pray when He refuses to hear me? When James writes, come near to God and He will come near to you, Richard, frankly, that's not been my experience. Richard, I wouldn't tell anyone else this, but let me tell you, I get nothing out of prayer. I gain nothing. Well, allow me to respond. What do you gain by praying? Not a great deal, but you may lose a lot. You may lose the need to be angry. You may lose your ego or greed or depression or insecurity and fear of death. Sometimes the answer to our prayers is not gaining but losing, which is ultimately gain. When James writes, come near to God and He will come near to you, in the midst of that prayer, He is changing you. You're so focused on the issue in front of you, you are not taking time to understand how you are changing, how He is making you persevere and be patient and molding and shaping you because He's more interested in you than the situation you face. He's seeking maturity. He's seeking growth in you. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. The biblical promise is clear, and it needs to be cultivated and developed. And finally, do you remember at the first Sunday back in January 15th when we gave out our bookmark and we gave you a list of Sunday dates and passages to be read and some helpful thoughts on when you're reading a passage, questions to be asked. And on the back, there was five questions. And I described them as some of those fearless, searching questions that cause us to think. And the first question was this, what is the most important way that I will, by God's grace, make this year different than last year? And I wonder if you this morning need to pause for a moment and remember again the power and significance of this passage because it may well be for you that God is giving you the equipment and the tools to move to the next level in your relationship with Him, and that involves what? Submission. Submit yourself then to God, first and foremost, number one, 
his values and standards and his relationship with you. Secondly, resist the devil. Do not give in to him. Do not believe that sin and temptation is inevitable. It's not. Resist the devil. Three, he will flee from you, and we can delight in that this morning. And fourthly, come near to God, and he will come near to you. And in that moment, When your heart is fully open and honest and transparent and you've sought his presence and forgiveness, then you will feel his pleasure. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this remarkable passage of Scripture this morning. Thank you for all that it has taught us and enable us, please, in the week ahead to put into practice all we have learned this morning. Enable each of us to be submissive to God's rule and reign in those moral and spiritual standards in our life. Help us to resist the devil. Enable us to recognize when he flees from us and be thankful for it. And above all things, help us to come near to you, that you will come near to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.